Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Things look a lot better for the Phillies since we came to you last week. A very strong week, despite losing two out of three to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, well, we have to talk about what losing a couple players means, Jeff Mosher. Yeah, you know, this is like a really, I don't know, maybe this will be a repetitive theme for this podcast, Frank. It always feels like one step forward, two steps back, or... You know how I said a couple of weeks ago, this is like the most maddening schizophrenic team. And it feels still feels that way. You know, you you go and and, um, take a couple from the Yankees, you know, you feel good, lose two out of three of the Dodgers, but you're still all right with how you're playing over the last six or seven. You blow two, well, Naris blows two games, but they still win them in walk-off fashion. They are such a roller coaster. But the one thing that that becomes really like kind of out of control. Frustrating is the number of injuries. And of course, Gene Segura, who has been an unbelievable player this year for the unbelievably clutch, especially despite that little, you know, the errors thing that he, him and Girardi tangled. And that over. was over fast. Yes. That went over really quickly. And by the way, I was going to say that everybody should get into a fight with Joe Girardi because, you know, for what it did to him with these, walk-off hits and playing better. Like I felt Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper, they should have just walked over and picked a fight with Girardi just to get out of their <laughs> own uh, funks. But it's tough because, you know, you every time you feel like the Phillies have a chance to maybe turn the corner and start to build on something, then injuries come along and you're like, man, now they got to scrap again. So the Phillies will ha- indeed have to scrap. So besides uh, Segura going on the 10-day IL, expected to be about three weeks out. So that's a, that's a pretty big injury. Uh, Bryce Harper also has a lower back tightness, which is day-to-day. They expect him to play on Friday. But let's talk first about uh, Hector Neris, right? So we, we, I think you jinxed things last podcast by, by talking about how decent he's been. Mm-hmm. And then June 10th, June 12th, he ends up blowing back-to-back saves. And then immediately it feels like the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. Is the sky still falling? No, but it's not falling. But I think it goes to show that while he's had a way better year and he has added the slider, there are still times that his, I don't want to say his pitch selection, but there, there are still just times where He's going to disappoint you. And, and I got to say the first of the two blown saves, I may have to put that a little bit on the catcher, on Real Muto, because he, you have a two-strike pitch to Freeman and your best pitch is a splitty. That ball should be either in the dirt or somewhere really high out of the zone. I don't understand how you leave a belt-high fastball out there for him. I don't understand why you would call for anything other than a pitch that's either really low in the dirt or high. And as a pitcher, I don't understand how you would – I can understand how you miss your location, but it looked to me like he was throwing a fastball. It didn't look like he was trying to throw a split. So right, that's, that's that home that run to dead obvious? center field, right? So, yeah, so, is that not baseball 101? You have a two-strike count? You, you, you bury a pitch to make a guy try to chase it? That, that, that seemed to be his, his specialty, actually. <laughs> exactly. You know, get ahead of the hitters and then let them chase a slider, which is, which is surprising to me that he was – um, indeed, throwing that pitch, Freddie Freeman hits it out to dead center. The only thing I can think of is that Freddie Freeman has kind of struggled this year. And mm-hmm. maybe they thought that, that, okay, well, here's a here's an easy out. Well, I, I will say this. Sometimes you'll see um, a pitcher, catcher, battery, whatever, try to try to sneak a fastball down the middle on two strikes to a batter who's not expecting it. Right. He's looking he's looking for that waste pitch. And then all of a sudden it comes right down the 
you know, there's a, a phrase in baseball right down the D, as they like to say, and you don't see it coming. But I don't think Freddie Freeman's that guy that you do that to. You do that to the guy who hits like 30 home runs, but bats like 206, you know, Adam <laughs> Dunn, right? <laughs> you, make so, a good, uh, you make a good point, though. That could have been their, their strategy at the moment. Uh, yeah, but, but I Freddie, think it's a, but, if that's a bad strategy, if you're doing it to Freddie Freeman. <laughs> I guess they thought maybe Freddie Freeman would expect that slider in the dirt. <laughs> you know, is that, is that maybe that maybe that's what it was about? I mean, they certainly know each other, right? Being in the National League East and and Hector Neris being with the Phillies longer than anybody else. It seems right. like the NL East should know him. Maybe that has something to do with with these blown saves now and then is pe- the, the teams that he faces know him. It's possible, although I think he's fared well in his career against Freeman, right? So, again, it's like you've had success against this guy. Why are you trying to surprise him? Just rely on what you've done in the past. Even if you were to – all right, let's say you're trying to overthink it a little bit, which is done, and throw him a two-strike pitch that's that's a strike and not a waste pitch. Could you at least throw it on the inside corner or the outside corner and not make it just so easy for him to put the bat on the ball and, and drive it to center field? I mean – to me, that's baseball 101. I don't get it. I feel like the, all year long, the Phillies have lacked fundamentals, whether it's in the field or just thinking, you know, this is not the first time you and I on this podcast have talked about pitch, sele- obvious pitch selection, you know, in late games uh, situations, and, and it's gone awry for the Phillies. And that part I don't understand, and uh, it's really surprised me because this is, to me, what I, I would have thought Joe Girardi would have been better than that as far as instilling um, a, an an environment, a culture of being smart. So three of his four saves that were blown were against the National League East. Now, the fourth one was against the New York Yankees. Now, here's the thing. This is right after that Freddie Freeman uh, home run, right? The Phillies ended up winning that game, right? So, I mean, you could argue that it, you know, it wasn't a total implosion. But the next one kind of was. In that, we see Hector Neris kind of doesn't go after the hitters at the beginning of the inning. He walks two, right. walks and that two. sets up a three-run home run. Mm-hmm. So, so it's almost like is was he like scarred by the previous home run they, that he was afraid to go after hitters? Like, I like I, I didn't understand that. Like, I thought that you know it made more sense to go after those those hitters, and if they hit one out, they hit one out because you have a three-run lead. Right, right. No, I, I listen. I'm with him. That goes back to being the you know being a smart pitcher. And I never thought of Hector as someone who's been intimidated. He's always been able to kind of, I'll say this. So he's come back from some bad stretches in his career. I mean, he came back from, from being demoted to the minors a couple of years ago and pitched well. So I don't think it's an intimidation thing, Frank. I think it's just a talent thing. I mean, he, he was going to come back to earth, right? He was not going to finish this year with an ERA under one and a half, like it had been. Uh, and it really, I think it jumped over three uh, as soon as that he blew that, that save, that second one against the Braves. It went so from 219 that makes sense. To, that's yeah, where it, so with the, with the two, he goes from 190 to 219 to 316. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's where, that's the world where Hector Neris tends to live anyway, which is, again, we can argue this the way people argue Ben Simmons, right? Like that's not though. It's to me, it's not great when you have a closer with an ERA over three, but if you want to look at the bigger picture and see that, you know, I, I bet you 20 of the 30 teams in baseball have a closer who have an ERA over three. But that just goes to show you that Hector Neris can be good, but he's not irreplaceable. He's To me, he still will not be the long-term answer at closer on a championship team. 
So then a lot of people. Unless, talking, by the way, your team is just amazing. And can, I mean, I shouldn't say that like concretely. He could be. I just think it's unlikely. I will say this. So the bullpen has functioned a lot better in the last week when you haven't needed to go to David Hale. You haven't gone to Chase Anderson. You haven't gone to Matt Moore. It feels like it feels like kind of with some of those guys taking up the roster spots out of the way. This bullpen overall has functioned much better. Yeah, I, I would say so. Alvarado. But see, then we say that now. Right. Uh, and and at the risk of what happened last week where we praised Hector Neris and then Neris <laughs> goes and blows two stairs. I could sit here and you could sit here and we could talk about Alvarado looking really good uh, the other night against the Dodgers in that game and, and having location and some heat and fooling batters. And then, you know, the next two games, you could come in and kind of walk the park. But I mean, Suarez has helped settled some things down. You and I are both fans of Ranger Suarez for, for quite a while. Now, now, now pitching in the back end of the bullpen and unfortunately right. does give up the late run. Uh, finally. <laughs> now well, you knew that was going to happen. It couldn't be perfect forever, but um, Bradley coming back, you know, Brogdon and, and, um, and uh, uh, who, who am I forgetting? Coonrod? No, Coonrod's there. Yeah, and by there. the way, I just add, add to it too. Bailey Falter came up kind of to be the new Ranger Suarez to give him yes. three innings at a time. And, he had a really nice debut there. Uh, well, he did pitch in Colorado early in the season. Gave mm-hmm. up two runs and two innings, but he gave the Phillies three really good innings and kept them in the game the other night. Yeah, I mean, for a team, Frank, whose you know farm system, I think we've deservedly criticized or just said just is not like bountiful. You know, to have guys like Nick Maytone and now Luke Williams and um, uh, and the pitcher come in and, and at least perform well early on has been nice to see. Now. Uh, before we get off uh, Hector Neris for a second, so Joe, Joe Girardi still says he's he's not moved and that he's going to be uh, the closer going forward. He has no reason to make make a change. But um, what are the other options? People were people were asking. Uh, you know, you mentioned Alvarado. Now Alvarado feels like he's either going to um, strike strike out all three or or walk walk in a run. You know, he's he's just going to throw it 100 miles an hour and nobody's going right. to hit it. But but he could be all over the place. So. That's who he is. I don't know if you want that as your closer, but uh, mm. but not, he might get I don't some. I'm comfortable with him, and I, I, you know, I really think in an ideal world, he's your left-handed specialist. He may be even pitching a little bit too much uh, for the Phillies, but they, that's because they need him to to do more than just get left-handers out right now. And the three batter rule doesn't help because you you need to have him face three no matter what. So if you come exactly. in to face a tough lefty, then you're there for the two righties as well. Right. Uh, but what about what about Archie Bradley? I mean, he was their big free agent signee, if you want to call him that. I mean, the one-year $6 million deal. Uh, but he's got some closing experience uh, yeah. on the IL for a while. It seemed like he had to get, get back into the rhythm. Uh, he seems to be getting back into his rhythm. Would, would you consider him a, a closer option down the line? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I'm a little worried about his walks, right? I mean, I think he's, he's, he's walked four in his last um, five games, which is not even five innings. So he, he can be a little effectively wild as they like to say or just wild so i think every single guy you you might bring up whether it's brogdon or coonrod or whoever you're going to have a question mark attached to right so i think they're all candidates if hector were to really go through a streak where he's blowing games left and right and and it's it's like uh you know you don't see any resolution in sight but as much as i've been a nearest critic I think changing just to change right now is unless, unless you feel like you see someone who is going to be better than what they are right now because you moved them to close, right? Like Spencer Howard. I don't know. I mean, the guy loses 
his gas after three or four innings every single time. But you, you watched him pitch the other night. His first three innings were probably the best innings of any pitcher this year, not named a Phillies pitcher, not named Zach Wheeler. I mean, he had really good stuff at 94, 95 miles per hour, which is not great for the majors, but good enough for him with the movement that he had. Right. But then once he gets down to like 91 or 92, who's the guy that hit the home run off him that, you know, well, Will Smith and then Chris Taylor. So yeah. Yeah. But then I thought there was somebody else who kind of had, uh, who hit the first home run off. I think that was Will Smith. Okay, I think the Taylor had the second yeah. one. Right. So so I mean, so he gives up. So by the fourth inning, it to me it was clear he was leaking oil already, and right. then he, he you know he gives up that two run home run to to Smith, and then I, they brought him back out for the fifth, one batter, one home run, and then it was like all right, you're right, done. right. Which, so which like, is mm-hmm. which I got to ask you, like like is that is that sustainable? Like uh, yeah yeah yeah, Bailey Falter who gave him three innings in that game, mm-hmm. but you, you can't take up two roster spots for one starter, right? Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And uh, that's why I said maybe if in your vision you can see this guy being an effective closer, right, like a one inning or one plus inning type of closer, and that it's going to be a great role and he's going to be a more shutdown type pitcher than Neris, then maybe I can understand that move. But I don't know if at this stage of his career we're ready to talk about Spencer Howard being the closer, right? Yeah, that's going to have to take a while, I think. But they're going to have to decide, in my opinion, they got to figure this out before it's too late to to add an arm. Um, Now, down at AAA, Matt Moore has been stretching back out to be a starter. Um, The Phillies are going to need a sixth starter. uh, Once you get to the end of next week, when they they have a doubleheader on that Friday, they've had all these days off, right? But then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, they're going to just stop. So they're going to go from uh, all these days off to... Uh, from June 25th to the all-star break, no days off. And there's a double header to start that stretch. So they're going to need another starter. Uh, so Matt Moore probably comes up as that starter. And so uh, when Matt, when Matt Moore makes that start, if it's very clear that he's going to give you more than the Spencer Howard, maybe they make a switch. Maybe they do, but I still think that. So you're saying they, they might move more into a role into us. They would make more starter and then take Howard and do what with him? I suppose be a reliever. I mean, it, it, right. I don't think it's enough to say, hey, well, he gave you three good innings at the beginning of a game. I, I just mm-hmm. I, I mean, if Does Matt Moore goes then, because are you going to pitch him in spots normally reserved for Alvarado or um, or Archie Bradley? Like what kind of reliever are you making? him? He's got good stuff like you don't want to bury him into a long man role. Right. And I think here's, here's what happened the earlier part of the year. Uh, he, he sort of didn't have a defined role and, and nobody knew what, what he was, including himself. Right. I think that's what happened. So, so if they do that, I think they need to have a real plan because um, they, the three inning starts aren't helping anybody. I mean, yeah, they, they stay in the game because they had Ranger Suarez a bunch of times and now Bailey falter, but that's not sustainable. So you have to figure out what he's going to be. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not declaring Matt Moore the new fifth starter. I mean, he wasn't wonderful before, but you could make the argument that if Matt Moore goes five and gives you gives up three runs, that's more helpful to a team than uh, Spencer Howard giving you three and then leaving six innings to the bullpen. I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've kind of thought about all the different ways that you could use them and turn first of all Matt Moore has to prove that he can get back into the rotation before we have this have this discussion I mean he was he was uh he was he was Spencer Howard before Spencer Howard just in a different way four innings and then that's it so I don't I don't really know 
Yeah, he was. Uh, I feel like the Phillies are are giving him the entire thirty days of rehab uh, at at AAA to stretch him out because mm-hmm. if you look at at what they've done with him since he's been there, uh, they've used his rehab starts to 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 go deeper into the games. Uh, right. You know, since he so he began on on June third, so he gave them one and two thirds, and then he went to three and two thirds, and then his last start he went five. So he's mm-hmm. probably due. He's probably going to start again tomorrow or the day after. I have to check the uh, the, the way the rotation lines up, but um, he's probably pitching around when Spencer Howard does. Uh, so um, that they're going to—I don't know if that's intentional or not—but the starts kind of line up uh, a little bit. Um, but again, Friday of next week, doubleheader. You need an extra starter, so I don't mm-hmm. you know. Uh, if Matt Moore comes up as the the twenty, I see. I don't know if you can do that with a rehabbing guy. Bring that person up as a twenty six man. One of, one of my complaints, just a side note, one of my complaints about the Phillies when they have the opportunity for the twenty six man, or I guess now it's the twenty seventh man on a double header, they don't grab a starter from AAA. What they do is they they just go bullpen game, burn out all the pitchers <laughs> in your bullpen, <laughs> and then they're 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 poorer off for for the next several days. So mm-hmm. it would be nice to actually have have two starters in a double header. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think it's more um, important now, Frank, because if you look and see that the Mets have played, what, 10 fewer games than the Phillies, but they've got two more wins. So they're going to play a lot of games. They, they, even if they go like five and five, right, in the 10 games, maybe that adds to the lead that they would have over the Phillies. So when the Phillies have an opportunity to take a double header, they really need to, you know, get to, they have to, to win both games if they have that opportunity because the Mets are, are kind of playing with a little house money right now, having more wins in 10 fewer games. Yeah, so really, essentially, you, you look at the standings that says the Phillies are five out, but really they're, they're eight games behind in the loss column, and that's, right. that's, that's pretty significant. So, but, but at the same time, I mean, if the, the Mets are um, getting a little injured themselves. So uh, Jacob deGrom pulled from his last start. Um, yep. See where that goes. He's saying that he, he uh, um, did not end up with any serious injury there and that it was more precautionary. At least that's what he's saying. Yeah. It's been that way for like three starts now where they keep pulling him or something gets hurt and he says he's fine. Yeah. So, but, but certainly if, if, if you get the um, yeah, but here, here's his quote. He said, he's pretty confident. He avoided a, a serious injury. He says, I think it's three separate issues. I think the lat was something to do with the swing. The elbow didn't think too much of. Like I said, I was pretty confident that was nothing. And I'm pretty confident there is nothing. So he's supposed to be uh, undergoing uh, more testing to figure out what's up with him. But the, the Mets can't afford to lose him. No, you want to hear the they're... stat of the year, by the way? The stat of the year. This oh, My eyes almost fell out of my head about DeGrom. Mm-hmm. We're almost in July now. Right, we're almost like at the halfway point. He has more RBIs than uh, earned runs allowed. Wow, <laughs> is that not amazing? I, I, I did not hear that yet, but uh, but but certainly he's he's been this 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 is arguably his best stretch of his career. 11, 11 starts, 0.54 ERA, and somehow yeah. he's lost two games. <laughs> uh, well, I mean that's typical because the, actually he the Mets have probably given him more runs this year than all of the past years combined. The fact that he already has like five or six wins is uh, is, un- is unbelievable. Yeah, him, his right? Cy Young year he was what <laughs> like ten and nine. <laughs> so. Ten? No, he had a. I thought he had a losing record. Oh, uh, was that? Did, or, did he not? Was <laughs> no, that the? Was that? 
can't remember when that was. What year? What year did he get that? So well, he's uh, won the last two, right? Yeah. Okay. Hold on a second. So uh, eighteen. And he's probably going to win another one. Yeah, he was ten and nine and eleven and eight when he won those two Cy Youngs. Oh, so. okay. For some reason, I yeah. thought he was uh, under. But that's ridiculous. Ten and nine. Yeah. yeah. ERA <laughs> under two and a half. <laughs> yeah. They. 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 They met. He had, Yeah. He was a one seven zero ERA that year. And right. Uh, Made all right. his, all thirty two starts. It's amazing he doesn't have that, that many. That that also speaks to how bad the Mets bullpen was. Mm-hmm. That he that he lost all those either that he lost the games and that he didn't win the games. Right, so that right. The bullpen must have been the ones that got that decision. But anyway, mm-hmm. either way, um, you know that if the Mets have a whole bunch of doubleheaders and they don't even have their ace, that's that's uh, that's that's hopefully can bring them back down to earth. If you're looking at it from the Phillies' perspective, and and and, and as good as Taiwan Walker has been, uh, you know, you, you got to wonder when he's going to finally start league. You know, by the way, I've always liked Taiwan Walker. I I thought this offseason that he should have been somebody the Phillies looked into even before the Mets signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, Phillies went Chase Anderson instead for the same amount of money, basically. But um, but what a what a surprise uh, he's been. He's never been this good as he's. Uh, you he know, was as supposed a starting to be, pitcher. right? Wasn't he a, a top prospect of the um, the Mariners? The Mariners, he yeah. Team? He, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. He was, uh, he was, he and um, the lefty. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, James Paxton. The two of them were supposed to be like one and two, uh, along with King Felix. Felix, uh, um, but you know, it didn't really work out that way. They both kind of got slower starts. Uh, started having their success elsewhere, but. Uh, but uh, Taiwan Walker now six and two, two twelve ERA. Whip is an even one. So he's he's been a very very nice surprise for the Mets. He's never been he's never been better than uh, eleven and eight with a four five six ERA. That's arguably his best year. Or twenty twenty, where he he split split the season a couple teams, didn't pitch a whole lot. Right. Uh, he was okay last year. Um. Well, yeah, nobody pitched a lot last year. Uh. But uh. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a nice surprise. And you got to wonder how, how, how sustainable that is at this point in his career. Uh, but, yeah. but good news is he's a free agent after this year. So, yeah, uh, true. I, I wanted to ask you go, getting back to Spencer Howard, because you've seen a lot of these guys coming up through the, the chain, right? You've, you've been to the minor league parks. You've seen them. Spencer was really lauded as, as maybe the only really good pitching prospect that Matt Clentak has ever been able to produce here. Um, and I remember, you know, when he was in, in double A and seeing the footage, you know, in Reading and having nasty stuff, was there anything, look, I know what the minors are now. If you're a starting pitcher, you're probably only pitching four or five, uh, innings. And then you're, you're piggyback with some other prospect. I get that. And I'm going to guess that he was pretty economical at the double A level. So that after four or five innings, he probably wasn't losing steam because he hadn't thrown as many pitches as he does now. But was there anything to suggest that he was going to? Did you notice a, a dip in his velocity in those last innings? I've been I'm shocked. Here, here's that the thing. Good. <laughs> here's the thing. His his longest season in terms of innings pitched was in 2018 in Lakewood, mm-hmm. and he had he threw 112 innings. So that that's, 20 starts. <laughs> yeah. So so he made 23 starts. So. Uh huh. So if you divide 112, I'm just I'm just going to assume that this is correct. You average mm-hmm. under five innings to start. So that's four, eight, six at his at his longest season in Lakewood. And then 2019, right. uh, he's injured a little bit. Um, he does end up finishing the year with with uh, Clearwater, then Reading. 
but a combined 13 starts there. So, so Clearwater, seven starts, 35 innings. So that's a that's an even five. And then he went to Reading, 30 and two thirds. So that's just a tiny bit over five. So like his yeah. whole career, he never went more than five. And I would got to, I've got to imagine even if he kind of now I didn't see this in any of his starts in person, but if his even if his velocity ticked down a little bit um, against some double A hitters, I can see him staying staying in the game through five, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, the fact that that he didn't really get a 2020 other than those those six games with the Phillies, um, which weren't which weren't wonderful. Right. Uh, you really haven't seen him put together any type of full season in any sense, unless you count the 112 innings in Lakewood where he made 23 starts. I mean, I tell you, his curveball the other night in his start was about as good as a 12-6 I've seen all year from anybody in the league. I mean, that's how good it was. He was, he had control of that thing. He was mixing it in really well. But then once he drops just two, because when you don't throw 98-99, you're a little bit behind that you need great stuff, right? So once he drops and takes a few ticks off, then that fastball becomes so much more hittable and you don't even get a chance to throw your curve because you're not getting ahead with your fastball. So I don't, I don't know what the solution here is, Frank. I don't know if we, it's just that he's young and that he's been groomed to only be a, you know, a uh, four or five inning guy. Is that adding strength or just by naturally starting and starting and starting, he will be able to build up more stamina. I really don't know the answer, but I'm, I don't, I've seen a lot of young pitchers come up and not have this major drop off. Um, you know, when I say pitchers, I mean, guys who were, were top prospects. I, this is something that I'm kind of unfamiliar with. <laughs> I just want to know if they babied him too much, you know, that's what like, I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, is, is this, is this what we're seeing? You know, back in the day, Cliff Lee, when he was the dominant pitcher, he used to say, well, my secret is I throw more. <laughs> and, you, and, and, you know, we've, we've seen Cliff, Cliff Lee throw 10 innings in a game as a Philly, you know, so. Right. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you dig into the numbers, you really don't have a, a longer body of work here where uh, he's ever shown that he could go more than five. And that's 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 unfortunate. I, I agree. And um, we're, the, the Phillies are not in a position right now where they can kind of nurture and groom along and work him, work him into the right shape as they're sitting here trying to, you know, compete for a division and, and uh, win, you know, games in a row and stay above 500, which has been difficult for them. It's, it's just not the right time for this kind of experiment. They need a guy who can pitch yeah, for, a long I, to- for a long time. But I mean, look, you saw the curve. I mean, he, you see the stuff when he gets out there in the first two innings. I can understand why he got guys out in the minors, but I cannot understand how he can be an asset to this team in that role long-term. If that, if, if it's not going to get better by the end of this year, by the way, speaking of, speaking of unknowns, mm-hmm. I've gotten this question like five times already when I do my radio mailbag. Uh, but Cole Hamels is finally starting to get into pitching shape. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want that unknown either, to be honest with you. You know, I don't, I don't think that the, before anybody asks, I yeah. don't think it's worth the Phillies uh, signing Cole Hamels to pitch from July on. What do you think? Uh, I do remember feeling that way a long time ago about Dallas Keuchel. Now, granted, he's a lot younger than and he wasn't hurt. <laughs> Cole Hamels. Well, he was coming off of an injury, was he not? No, I think he was just unsigned and not happy with his his con- well, I thought offers. Had a shoulder thing, but maybe you're right. But the, he did go to Atlanta, pitched well, and he's pitched fairly well since going to the White Sox. Now, again, younger. You're right. No. 
not coming off an injury, but I don't know. It just feels like it's in the, uh, it's in the fortune of the Phillies to pass on Cole Hamels and then watch him go sign with somebody and then be pretty decent. Yeah. So well, who knows? I, I don't know if you want that much of an unknown, but, but really there's, there's really like only a couple teams in baseball that are just completely awful right now. And they are the Arizona diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies. Both of them might, might have, uh, have a little sale soon. If you're looking to add anybody, I don't, I don't know who the Pirates you are pretty awful. Yeah, Pirates, right? Yeah. So the Orioles, but those teams are looking to to bring on, probably not unload, right? They don't have great like the Pirates are awful, but they don't have a veteran that they can they can you may be a Jared Crick or whatever his name is in the pitcher. Kyle Crick. Kyle Crick, yeah. Um, yeah. but he's young, if I'm not mistaken. So they may want to hold on to him. Mitch Keller. Yeah. Looks like look actually Kyle Crick is twenty nine. So oh, uh, turns, turns okay. 29 this year. So maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they would trade somebody like him, but I'm thinking like more like a starter, like who's, uh, who would be out there for Mitch, this? Uh, the yeah. That's why I said Mitch for. Keller, although he struggled this year, but we've seen pirate pitchers struggle and then go somewhere else and be amazing. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not just one either, like many of them. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't know. It's a good one. The Orioles don't have any, um, any any starters what about i mean do, do you think the twins who have been really bad and you i think you and i have thought that they were going to kind of still turn it around and i'm starting to doubt whether they're going to mm, turn it around maybe they would trade jay hap well i was thinking maybe they would trade barrios you know if they're really trying to start over and get some prospects yeah that's that's, that's an interesting uh point uh but you'd have to give up more for that's the other thing too i true i don't think the phillies are in a position to give up prospects i just i just yeah that's a good point i i think point. I think that the, the the Phillies need to hold on to what they have, and, and Dave Dave Dombrowski's got to let some of the the holdovers um, from from the Clintac era rise through the system so that they can they can get somewhere. But yeah, Twins twenty seven and forty one. So yeah, I don't think that's um, changing. It's already already the articles are starting on who should uh, who should they trade. You know, yep. they're asking uh, Nelson Cruz is there. Like I can see the Twins trading a few pieces um, to 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 make themselves better. But in terms of starters, you know, the, the, the veteran type that won't cost you a lot probably is, is Jay Happ, uh, who's, who hasn't been well great. Again? What's that? Is he, I was going to say, is he still pitching well? Not particularly. Um, he is uh, three and three with a six twelve ERA. So uh, how about um, Meta? Do you think that they would get, I mean, he's, he's a guy, I think that they would probably not cost you that much, but he's a decent pitcher. Isn't he signed for a little while though? I don't know. I don't know if Maybe they would... just to take the contract. I, I don't know. I know he's got an ERA over five, so it's not looking great. But I mean, you, you feel like in a different environment that maybe he'd be a better pitcher. Great question. Let me see here. Yeah, Kenta Maeda, two and two, five oh one. And um, I wonder what I wonder when Michael Pineda gets gets healthy. I mean, he was yeah. he was three and five. I, I didn't catch not, the, the nature of his Pineda. injury. But okay, elbow inflammation on June fourteenth. Okay, that was just the other day. So, yeah, they're they're losing their starters. Uh, that that that's his uh, second uh, IL stint this year. So I don't know if you want to to deal with that, even though yeah. he's had some success. But but yeah, I mean, it really is time just to, to to see if the Phillies can can grab a starter from somebody. Um, you know, can 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 someone like Cap, you know, as a as a veteran with a six ERA, uh, you know, get better. That's uh, that's something I would consider, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, I mean, a, a veteran lefty, I think the Phillies could use. Unfortunately, it's um, yeah, <laughs> they don't want to give up much. <laughs> that, that's just what it comes down to. So, 
they might have to roll the dice. Uh, you know, it's a shame they're spending four million on on more and three million on Anderson, or or maybe I have that reversed. But um, you know, that, either that's, way, we we agree, we had talked about that going into the season, how we just yeah. felt that, that was not the best uh, allocation of funds, and it turned out to be completely true. And of course, I, I was saying spend it on Paxton, but Paxton is done for the year. But so you know, a lot right. of it's luck too. You know, when you're shopping in the uh, older starter veteran starter category so mm-hmm. um i mean heck if they went for jay hap they, they probably wouldn't be happy with what they had so far but uh probably you know who knows uh what what what, what the uh the future will, will hold but uh they they got to figure out certainly um they, they got to figure out what's up with, with spencer howard before before any of this so that's that's a uh that's oh and I, by the way i apologize maeda he's just a they acquired him from the uh, Dodgers yeah, I thought that was last a- year, I think, for the rest of his contract. I don't think he's due that much um, going forward. I feel I will look into that by the time we uh, talk next, because, you know, hey, we get you know, th- this back and forth. The Phillies have been a week from now. We could think of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> completely differently. Right. Because a week ago, you know, you thought a lot. The Phillies were in a lot worse of position. But you know they got back to 500. That's a start, right? So, uh, but but really that 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 kind of resurgence began on Wednesday night, and we got to talk about this guy mm-hmm. when Luke Williams comes in and hits a walk off home run. <laughs> how about the, how about that? You know, like that 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 happened Wednesday night. By the way, I think I I uh, I think last time we talked, I was talking about how his debut was spoiled, where he had that little bunt base hit, uh, right. which I thought was so crafty and innovative, and and and. Uh, because the Phillies blew that game, uh, but he was the hero of the following night. And by the way, he hasn't looked back. This kid is still after going four, three for four last night in Los Angeles, hitting four seventy four. Great, nowhere to go but down. <laughs> <laughs> it's been now awesome I get story. it, I get it. You, you, the league hasn't seen him enough yet to know how to pitch to him, right? That's 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 usually how it is, right? Nick Maton. He probably had the league figure out how to pitch to him very fast. So, and, mm-hmm. and he's and he went down to AAA. He was going to need to adjust. He is back, by the way, Nick Maton, to fill in for Gene Segura for now. Probably there until Didi comes back, which could be in a week, ten days. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, uh, but Williams. By the way, this is really cool. I, I, I have to find out if, if, if this happened to anybody else. He's made four starts in his major league career so far. First is in center field. Second at third base. Third was at uh, what? Right field. Right. No, not right field. No. He was the third one was at shortstop. The shortstop, fourth one right. was at second base. Mm-hmm. He did make a right field appearance, too. Hey, maybe he starts in right field today, but I, I've never seen anybody play four different positions, start at four different positions in their first four major league starts. Now, they, awesome. they play him in right field uh, tomorrow night. Uh, that's that's got to be something right. But I mean, it, it, let's face it, he very well could with Bryce Harper out. But, yeah. uh, but but what do you think of Luke Williams so oh, far? Luke, Luke Williams is what's what Scott Kingery was supposed to be—a <laughs> guy who could play a lot of different positions, hit the ball to all parts of the field, uh, excite the crowd, give you a little bit of energy. It's great. I hope it lasts. You know, I mean, look when Nick Maton came up, right? No one saw it happy, and he was able to hold his own for a lot longer than people expected. And you know, there was even like Rookie of the Year talk going on for a little <laughs> bit. Um, but he was surprisingly not too big for the moment was not too big for Nick Maton. And it seems like so far, same thing with Luke Williams. And 
you know, it, it goes back to, again, what we said about this not really being a great minor league system, but the guys who have come up have been able to give you a spark when you need it. And I thought that was a really cool story for him. And then to be out in LA where he's got like, you know, his entire, what, like 300 family members. Yeah, his family. They, he's got family like 15% group of the, the ballpark there. So um, it's been great and much needed. It's not just a good story, but obviously how, how clutch has he been for this team? That, that, that part of it is great. You know, almost like the bamboo bread uh, from a few years ago. Somebody just coming <laughs> up and giving you um, the jolt that you need. But in the long scheme, in the bigger thing, we need this team to be more healthy. They just do. Yeah. So, so one thing that I mentioned when we were talking before is is the difference it makes when Harper's not in the lineup. Now they win yesterday. Uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna lose, got Segura and Harper at the same time. That's that that's scary. But at least it sounds like Harper will be back. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like Harper kind of sets the lineup a little bit differently. Um, by the way, it was nice to see Reese Hoskins get out of his 0 for 33 funk with that home run uh, against yeah. Clayton Kershaw. Like he's, you know, especially now they need him to start. You know, he's either feast or famine. And, we, we call this with Reese. This yeah. is him. You know, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but obviously at the end of the year, if this is not not a playoff team you really have to examine some of these players and and what their value is to you compared to what you're paying them compared to what you might be able to get in return and he's one of those players I think that you have to finally come to grips with what he is as a player and that is a very very streaky player yep and and without the other players you can't you can't handle a funk so Mm -hmm. um, Brad Brad Miller in right field uh, he he can hang in there for a day but if Mm -hmm. he's starting if he's starting in the field every day I think that's a problem but um, his bats usually been pretty good. So that's, that's something to, something to keep an eye on, especially in the absence of, of Segura. I assume you'll see Miller at second base. Some you'll see, you'll see Williams at second base, some depending mm-hmm. righty lefty, whatever they want for the day. But, uh, but then you're, then you're losing that depth on your bench and that'll be tough. It'll be if, if by the way, Didi Gregorius, they, if they seem to finally figure out what caused the swelling, which was pseudo gout. Um, so um they say it's a form of arthritis. Um, you know, I've, yeah. I've had actual gout and it just, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it's pretty painful. Uh, you know, just, the, it's just like the, I don't know if pseudo gout is, is, is gouty, but, um, <sighs> but it's very, very painful just with little, little crystals forming in, in certain joints. Uh, sure. But now that they know what it is, it sounds like they could take care of it. So, so hopefully that means DD will be back shortly uh, for the Phillies. Um, but that that'll help too. I mean, that'll help relieve the blow of Segura being out a little bit. I think so. Right. Um, There's another ball player who has to deal with having. I'm sure there are plenty, but um, a prominent one. Like I can't remember. Was it this Chapman who has gout, or was it? Um, might have been Armando Benitez. Now that I think about it. Oh, did he really? Uh, yeah, gosh, I think there was somebody who had to really had really kind of you know monitor what he was doing because of gout. Yeah, it's uh, but but uh, pseudo gout might be a little bit different, uh, but uh, but it, it the nice thing is it's something that can be addressed, and it sounds like that DD will be uh back with the Phillies soon. So, so it's just one of those things where like you got he got hit there, and then you just assume it's just some lingering injury from that, and then it just didn't make any sense that uh, it wasn't going away. But uh, but he looked good at AAA, by the way. He was like mm-hmm. a uh, one hit short of the cycle. I think he needed a triple um, the last game he played. And then I'm, then I'm thinking the Phillies might actually activate him for the Yankee series. Cause you know, he, he would love to face the Yankees, but then sure. instead he didn't play at all uh, since. So, um, so he's been out since Friday. It sounds like his rehab is going to open up again. And then 
Um, he'll be he'll be back to the Phillies soon. All right. So I so I got to ask you this before we go. So, okay. uh, San Francisco, Gabe Kapler. What does this weekend have in store for the Phillies? Oh, by the way, we also have to say it's it's only on uh, Peacock this weekend. So, yeah. So when I go see my dad on Father's Day, we have no way of watching the Phillies. Um, this, this you don't weekend. have um, Xfinity. I think that they have it comes free with Xfinity. Yeah, I think it's not? an app on the but, but but my dad was stubborn and I didn't think he wanted to deal with the new cable box. So I, I don't think mm-hmm. he even has it. So um, maybe I'll bring my bring my tablet. Right. But so, uh, so you want my opinion on this, right? On how I feel. Yeah. So tell me about tell me about this Peacock thing and then, then give me your prediction for Gabe Kapler this weekend. All right. Well, first of all, I probably see this differently than a lot of people who have been complaining about it. I, I have been a big complainer about baseball's inability to market itself to youth and, you know, it's decline in ratings more so due not to the sports product, but to the inability to market its best players. Right. I don't think a lot of people understand that kids watch everything on YouTube. Now they do not want, if, if my daughter, both of them, seven and 12, if they want to watch something, it's usually something on YouTube. So kids are not going to have the big complaint is, Oh, how can I find this peacock? I don't know where it is. Oh, get off my lawn. Right. Kids would be able to find this Phillies game in 10 seconds because they just know how to get to the apps, how to get to YouTube, how to, how to watch something that's being streamed as opposed to broadcast in real time. Okay. So I think this is major league baseball's way of getting to a younger audience. And I, I cannot criticize them for that because I've criticized them for the opposite in the past. Well, That's why, just my, my feeling. Here's my question to that. Why why a whole series and why can't it also be on TV? Well, a whole series, because if you only do it once, then you have you may miss out on, you know, not everybody watches TV at the same time. You're trying to give it a, a bigger test sample than just one day. Right. Um, and then the, I guess what I what I don't understand is why wouldn't you just have it also on 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 TV? But then that might be defeat the purpose of trying to figure out how many more people are going to watch if it's only being streamed. Remember these streaming services are now competing for the rights to broadcast teams exclusively. You're going to see that going for, I think Amazon got the NFL Thursday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's starting in 2022. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to watch Thursday night football on Fox. You're going to have to have Amazon prime to watch that in a, in a year or two. So that's why they're doing this. Um, And I think in the long run, it will benefit them in the short run. You're going to have to deal with, you know, older guys like me and uh, me and older, like, ah, I have to find this on Peacock. What is a Peacock? You know, it's an animal. But, um, and as far as the series, Frank, not great that you go into the series without Zach, with Zach Wheeler having just pitched against the Dodgers. And so you don't have your, your ace against a team that you'll probably need it against. And then now the Bryce Harper injury comes into play. So not great. Is, is the Gabe Kapler effect going to be something in their heads? I don't know. I, I really look at the Giants, Frank, and, I, and not that I get to watch a lot of Giants baseball, but when you look at their lineup and you look at their pitching staff and see their, their back-end bullpen, does anybody blow you away? Like, does, does Donovan Solano and Brandon Belt and Taylor Rogers and um, all these names of guys who are contributing to the Giants this year, do, do you know, Crawford, like, like do, do you look at this team and think, oh, man, that sounds like a – a team that should be 15 to 20 games over 500. No. And it doesn't make any sense. Like exactly. Buster Posey is the only one having any type of offensive season. Right. If you, I, yeah, I was looking through their box score the other day 
He's the only one like hitting like above like 260. Like they, they have a bunch of 260 hitters and then they have Buster Posey. Right. I, I and look, Buster Posey, I get because he's a good player. Okay. He's, he's, you know, coming back after uh, like a down year, I think last year or whatever it was. But I mean, the rest of it, I, I look at these guys and I'm like, I, I don't understand it. And so do I, I guess I have to credit Gabe Kapler. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, Brandon Crawford's been a pretty good player for a while now. Um, just never like a superstar or a household name, but man, they are getting, I mean, Wilmer Flores has 19 freaking RBIs. <laughs> and the fact yeah. that Mike Yastrzemski is one of their better players that you thought was going to be good. And he's had been having a terrible year is even more like perplexing. To me. So I, I don't know what to expect, but I'm not afraid of this team, even though I should be, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The well, record says you should be. <laughs> So the Phillies are setting Vince Velasquez, Aaron Nola, and then Spencer Howard as the three starters for this series. Uh, all the starters for the Giants are TBD. I, 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 even even as of this morning, they haven't really said who they are going to start uh, tomorrow. So um, who knows who the uh, the Phillies will be facing? Uh, Giants do play today. Phillies are off. Phillies have a day off in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They've had some nice off days in some nice cities. I would nice love cities. to have a nice off day in San Francisco, man. That's great. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't been there. I'm like, I, I got to get there. Right. You saying. don't know what you're missing, man. It's, it's, you need more than a day. Let's just say, let me tell you that right now. Because it, it, it's not just about San Francisco. Beautiful city. Then you got to go north to Sausalito and Napa. Mm. You got to go south to Half Moon Bay and Monterey. I mean, there's just two. I mean, it, the area is just beautiful. Yeah. One of these days I will finally... You know, I, I had my daughter when I did. And so, like, it's been uh, hard to take, like, the long West Coast trip. You know what I mean? And I, I got to wait till she's either, like, old enough. And I, can, I can't just ditch her for, like, 10 days, you know? So, like, I she you. needs to be old enough to go on that trip. So um, so I'm, I'm trying. So hopefully Agreed. one of these days I can do, uh, like, Arizona. San. Uh, so the Phillies usually seem to go from L.A. to San Francisco in one trip. And then, like, Arizona to, to, to San Diego the other. So I, I got to get on some of these trips because I haven't seen any of those places just yet uh despite being at 24 major league parks i need to go to that i need to go to these west coast parks <laughs> nice well philly's had a good week we'll see what this following week brings minus gene segura and hopefully with a healthy bryce harper but for the powder blue podcast frank close jeff mosher we will catch you next time